this doesn't sound, if it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. Right. Right. So um, just if you even suspect a little bit, call Murray or call me and I'll get you to Murray. And uh, my number again is 281-723-7974. And uh, we'll get you, we'll find out. We'll do our very best to find out. Because we've seen some scams in this church. A lot of people, yeah. know, they're, the coming. Scammers they're are, coming. They're working overtime. And have y'all noticed like the telemarketers are like kicked it up a notch this week? I don't know if it's because we're paying attention more, right. but my goodness, spam risk, telemarketer, spam risk, telemarketer. So let's all be wise. So they're on their toes, so we got to be on our toes, right? Yeah, Amen. Lord. All right, are y'all ready for the word? Yeah. All right, let's make this faith declaration, even as you're there in your home. If you uh, did not do- download the um, the uh, note sheet, just grab a pen and paper and be ready to just kind of fill in, just sort of write down some of the points that we're going to say today. But right now, we're about to receive the word of God in our hearts. Amen. The, the seed of the word is about to be planted. And so we declare uh, a return on, um, on this, a hundredfold return on this word. So make this faith declaration with me. Everybody hold the word up that you got in your hands. Say it with me. Say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to hear and apply his word. I'm about to know better so that I may do better, have better, and be better. I am becoming everything God has destined me to be. I'm becoming everything the devil fears I'll be. I'm becoming everything the haters say I can never be. So after today, I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, slap somebody high five right there in your living room, right where you are. Slap them high five and say, you got to live by faith. You got to live by faith. Amen. Well, get ready. And let's get ready to receive the word. We've been focusing all year long. We have our bracelets. Murray's got his bracelet on. Show him, babe, how cool it is. It's so cool. It's um, on the front of the bracelet, it says glorifying God. And then on the inside, it says plenty, plenty in 2020. (laughs) So so our bracelets, uh, we have those. As soon as we get back in church, we're hoping on Easter. Amen in Jesus' name. Since we're back in church, we can get you your glorifying God bracelet. Because that's what we're doing this year. That this is the year of God's manifested glory. Glory. I feel like the stage has been set, you know, for God to, to glorify himself, for God to do what only he can do. I feel like with this pandemic, with what's going on, that, you know, everybody's kind of like at attention, you know. I feel like God's got everybody's attention. So now, whoo, here's the opportunity for God to manifest his glory. Yeah. We did not know that, that this was going to happen at the beginning of the year, but we declared that this would be the year of his manifested glory. And then it's going to be what? Marvelous. Yes. Be more. It's the Lord's doing and it's going to be marvelous in our eyes that he's going to manifest his glory. But we're also focusing on glorifying God with our lives, giving room for Jesus to come in and be bigger. You know, um, uh, John the Baptist said, I must decrease so that he may increase. And man, that's a job. <sighs> that's a lot of work to decrease yourself when we really we want to exalt ourselves but the bible says that if we humble ourselves god will exalt us but if we exalt ourselves god's going to have to humble us and y'all that's no fun you don't want to do that you don't want to have to be humbled so we want to live a, a, a life of humility and give god plenty of room in our lives to get glory do i glorify him with my thoughts am i glorifying god with my words the things that i'm saying am i being kind to people am i being patient you know, um, 
All these things, I give God more room to be glorified in my life. Amen. So in my family, am I glorifying God? You know, as soon as Easter's over with, Murray and I were talking about this this morning, as soon as Easter is over with, we're going to start a series about glorifying God in our families. And we all have a role to play in our families. So I'm excited about that and about hearing from Murray. Let Murray, you know, talk to the guys about how to be a, a husband because I'm telling you, he is an amazing husband. <laughs> so, so guys, if your wife's looking at puppy shows all day long or looking on the internet at puppies every day for two months, we got a puppy this week. <laughs> so sweet. I've been wanting one for a long time, and he knows I've been wanting one for a long time because I've been looking at him, you know, online. I watch puppy videos literally like all day. I can watch like on Sunday afternoon after church, you know, I like to just lay there and watch something dumb so I can fall asleep. But um, puppy videos, are they the best? So I've, I looked at him so much until it was my heart was so full of it. I wanted one so bad. So I told him the other night we were getting ready to go walk. I, he's, I said, I want a puppy. No, you've been saying you want a puppy for months. Yeah. So but. anyway, the good thing is we got the puppy, and I don't have to watch puppy shows anymore. <laughs> no, now you just got to watch the real puppy watch, and clean up. Real thing. <laughs> so, so we had the puppy for like three days, and she's a little wild thing. So we get up in the morning, and my... Um, pillows covered in blood and I'm like oh my god what happened the puppy bit my ear <laughs> and, her, and her teeth like little needles they're like little needles so but anyway. she's so precious but you know that's just one of the ways you know that you glorify God in your marriage is that you prefer one another because he wasn't exactly wanting to get a puppy but I really wanted a puppy I didn't need a puppy but I really wanted one so he said the sister gave me the green light man I got on Craigslist and I found a puppy and she is the perfect puppy for us So we're super excited about that. But that's one of the things that we want to talk about, you know, as we learn to glorify God in our marriage about preferring one another, being kind to one another, being um, just just being polite. You know, I think after you've been in a marriage for a while, you get to where you just, you know, treat each other any kind of way. You take each other for granted. But I think politeness is always in fashion. Amen. Amen. We need to teach our kids to be polite and be polite with one another. Amen. So we're going to be focusing on glorifying God in our family as soon as Easter is over with. So we've been in this series now on living by faith, and this is lesson number seven. So, um, you know, I think it's so cool. I just feel so relaxed. I really do. I feel so relaxed because, you know, I know uh, everybody's not in a hurry to leave. <laughs> you know, I usually feel like I'm kind of got a sense of being hurried up because everybody's hungry, everybody's ready to go, people start to glass over, but you're at home, hey, you can just kick back, put your feet up, go to sleep if you want to, wake up and watch it later, don't you do that. <laughs> but it's just, it just feels so relaxed. Yeah, get you something to eat. Amen. Good idea, Kenta, but don't do it right now. We're in the middle of the word. Amen. So we're focused on living by faith. And uh, I wanted to focus this morning just quickly on living by faith in crisis. Living by faith in crisis. Number one, in this life we will experience crisis, but we are overcomers. God has made us overcomers. And so we, we're going to experience crisis. It's, we learned last week it's part of the human experience to, to um, have crisis. At some point, you're going to lose a loved one. At some point, um, something is going to happen where you're, you're going to find yourself in crisis. And you need to know how to react. You need to know how to stay in faith. It doesn't mean you've done something wrong. Because you're in a crisis. Some people, the first thing they think, oh my God, what have I done wrong? Sometimes it's because you're doing everything right. Job was a righteous man. In all his ways, he was righteous. But he still came under demonic attack. 
So sometimes it's about what you're doing right. But let's look at living by faith in crisis. You are going to experience crisis, but we are overcomers. What's a crisis? It's a time of intense difficulty, trouble, or danger. So John 16, 33, here's what Jesus said in, in the Amplified. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. And I wrote this word in there, rest. That you may have perfect peace. When you've got perfect peace and you've got confidence, you can just rest. You don't have to be uptight or worried. So Jesus is telling us what he's about to tell us so we can have perfect peace, confidence, and you can rest in faith. That's what faith looks like. It looks like resting. I'm not in fear. I'm not worried, but I'm resting. So in the world, you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. But be of good cheer. Take courage. In other words, he's saying, stop tripping. He said, take courage. Be confident. So I have to take courage is something I have to take. Take courage and be confident. It's not just going to be natural to be confident when you're in the middle of a crisis. But he's saying, be confident. You got the goods. Be certain. I've got to be certain about what I know. That's why I keep the word stirred up in me. So that when I come into a crisis, I'm stirred up in it. I'm not worried. I'm, I don't, I don't, um, fall into fear and, uh, lose my faith. So be certain, undaunted. Listen to what Jesus said. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Here's a word from God for you right now. Coronavirus is already conquered. It's already conquered. We just walk in that conquering. We walk in the fact that he's already done it. It's already I've already deprived it of power to harm you and conquered it. For you, So coronavirus is conquered. Lack is conquered. Poverty is conquered. Sickness is conquered. It's already been conquered. Whatever you could experience in this life that would be difficult to your crisis or, or terrible or bad, Jesus has already conquered it. Amen. So coronavirus is already conquered. So there are reasons that we get into adversity in our lives. And we wonder, you know, wh- why is this? Who did this? Did God do this? No, God did not do this. Um, when sin entered, when mankind in the Garden of Eden disobeyed God, they opened the door for mankind to be acquainted with evil. God never meant for us to be acquainted with evil, only with good. But when they made the, they made the mistake, they made the decision to be deceived and to um, do what God told them not to do, they opened the door for sin and sickness and death to come in and we would be acquainted with evil. All of that is evil. Sin, sickness, it's all evil. Death. That's not of God. It entered in because of the decision to disobey God. So here's reasons that we go into adversity. Number one is human error. You know, people make mistakes. You might go through a a trouble or a trial or some sort of situation because somebody that you know made a mistake, a car accident. That's a, that's a human error. Um, Sometimes it's because someone was drinking or somebody made a, a stupid decision. So sometimes it's human error and it happens, you know, so whatever the reason is, whatever these, whatever these um, four reasons is that I'm about to give you, um, it still means that we still overcome and we still conquer. We still come out of it um, with our faith. Amen. So human error is one reason. Um, number two, challenge of the times. 
You know, we're in the end times, you know, and I'm sure your mama said that and your grandma and then said that and your, probably your great grandma and all them said the very same thing. They were all saying this, the end, it can't get much worse than this. It can't, listen, it can always get worse, but I believe every generation sees it progress to another level. I mean, think of when you think about what happened in World War II, when you think about the Holocaust, that wouldn't you have to say this is it, but Israel had not budded yet, which was one thing that had to happen, which has happened now. So as soon as that happened, he said, this generation will by no means pass away until they see. So we see that we're in the last days, in the the last of the last days. And so, you know, um, that's why things are happening so quick. It's like a woman in labor. The the birth pains get closer together and more intense as if anybody's had a baby, you, you know, amen, that it gets closer together and it gets intense. And so um, we see things getting closer together and more intense. We've never seen anything this intense. We have never seen anything like this. So it's part of the signs of the times, the challenge of the times. Did y'all get that number two? The challenge of the times. So listen, here's the good news. These are the challenges of the times that we live in, but we were handpicked by God to be here for this. He put what the world needs, He put it in you. He put the anointing in you. You, 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 everybody watching online. You've got what we need or what, what, what the world needs. God put it in us. Darkness is, is here. But hey, that's our time to shine the brightest. When it gets the darkest, that's our time to shine. Amen. All right, so the first one is by what? Human error. Second one is challenge of the times. The third one is satanic attack. Job was attacked because of, uh, it was a satanic attack. Satan came and asked. You know, he thought Job would only worship God while everything was going great in his life. But Job proved, and God knew what was in Job. He said, in fact, God said, have you considered my servant Job? Sometimes I think, well, is it because God's proud of me? <laughs> he knows, he knows I can, he knows I'm going to make it through this and that it'll be an opportunity for his glory. Amen. He can trust you with the trial. He's got to know he can trust you with the trial. Hallelujah. Job came out of it all right, amen. He came out with more than he went in with. So you got to know whether, no matter where it comes from, I'm coming out with more. Job's ladder was greater. He ended up with double, with more than he had than when he went into the, to the terrible situation he was in. So satanic attack. The thief comes only but to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you may have life. And have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. So no matter how it comes or how it goes, um, satanic attack is one of the reasons, but we overcome. Amen. And then number four, the call of God on your life. We are called by God. He said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. Yes, you. Even everyone who's watching there today. I chose you, Jesus said, and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Amen. So you, you've been chosen by God. You have a call on your life. Whether you like it or not, whether you realize it or not, whether you know it or not, God has his hand on your life and he has a call on your life. And sometimes that attracts um, a certain amount of uh, persecution. A certain amount of uh, trials and troubles come along with it because sometimes, I hate to say this, but some of the trials and the troubles and the things that I've been through grew me to the place that I'm at today. All right. The Bible says, let patience have its perfect Work so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If, if you don't have something to be patient about, how are you going to grow? 
So you got to look at it for what it is and you got to say, God, grow me right through this. This is about the call of God on my life, but grow me right through it. Amen? Amen. So human error, challenge of the times, satanic attack, and by the call of God on your life. So number two, God is able to deliver us and will not forsake us in crisis. So God is able to save. The Bible says he's able to save to the uttermost. So he's able to get you through. He's able to get you to the other side. He's able to get you through it with more than you had before you went in. So he's able to deliver us and he will not forsake you in crisis. You may feel like it. Everything within you may feel like you're all alone, but you are not. You, that's when you have to really stand on the word of God and say, he said he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He's going to lead me. He's going to guide me right through the green pastures, right by the still waters. He's going to take me into blessing. He'll leave preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Hallelujah. He's anointing my head with fresh oil today. Amen. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's when you got to know who you are. Yeah. Amen. you got to know that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, it comforts me. you got to encourage yourself in the scriptures and know that he is there with you and he would never dare for a moment leave you or forsake you. Psalm 34, 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Yeah. Hallelujah. Out of how many of them? Oh, so no matter what you're in, you can expect God to be a delivering God. Because there's power in the blood of Christ. Amen. Psalm 37, 25 says, I've been young and now I'm old. Yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants or his seed out begging bread. Amen. So you're not going to be out begging bread. God's not going to forsake you. He's not going to leave you without. He said, you're more important than the birds. You're more important than the, 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 the flowers in the field. They're here today and gone tomorrow. There's not one sparrow that falls from the, from the sky that he doesn't know about it all together. So how much more will he take care of you? Amen. So you got to know he's there with you. He's going to deliver you. You're going to come out of this thing better. Let that be your confession. I'm going to come out of this better than I went in. Somehow there's a blessing behind this. Somehow I'm going to get blessed. My family's going to get blessed. My kids are going to get blessed. I'm going to be promoted. I'm going to get a raise. Begin to declare that now. You'll have whatsoever you say. Amen. All right. Number three. The blood of Christ creates a barrier. Woo, that's so good. Your blank is barrier. The blood of Christ. Creates a barrier between us and the works of the devil. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus creates a barrier between us and all the works of the devil. Colossians 1, 13 through 14 says, He has delivered us. Woo, you better get that right there. You're not waiting to be delivered. You've already been delivered. Amen. He said, He has delivered us from the power of darkness. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. It does not have power to harm you. Jesus has already conquered it for you. He says, and has conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood. It's through the blood. you got to put pressure on the power of your covenant that is signed, sealed, and delivered in the power of the blood. You're sealed with the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You can't lose with the stuff we use. Hallelujah. So the blood of Jesus creates a barrier between what Satan wants to do. Do you see, when, when, when Satan came asking for Job, Job said, well, you got a hedge of protection around him, of course. So there's a, there's a hedge of protection around us from the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The Bible says, with favor, 
He surrounds us as with a shield. Favor is a shield for you. But the blood of Christ creates a barrier. So we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. We've been, we've been delivered from darkness. And we've been conveyed into the kingdom of the Son of His love. So so that's why I say, remember, you're not operating according to the world system. We're following what authority tells us to do. But we don't operate according to the world's system. We operate according to the kingdom system. That's why we pray against sickness. That's why, um, you know, we stand against things that are not the will of God. That's why He gave us the power to bind and the power to loose. Because we've been conveyed into a kingdom that responds to our words responds to our words. So you gotta, you gotta tell you, don't let the devil do all the talking. You gotta rise up and you gotta, you gotta shut him down and begin to talk louder than he's talking. Amen. Because the blood of Christ, all you gotta, when you mention the blood, if you could see what happens in the spirit realm, demons tremble. Demons run in terror. When you resist the enemy, we resist him with the blood of the lamb. Amen. If you could see how terrified they get when you when you speak of the blood. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so there's a barrier. The blood of Christ creates a barrier. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law, from sin, from sickness, from poverty, from disease, from the second death. We have been delivered from it and conveyed into the kingdom of His love. Amen. So number two, I wanted to talk to you because we're, we, we're talking about... Um, how we're quarantined, we've been quarantined, it's as if we're in a global Passover. Because many years ago, like five, almost 6,000 years ago, there was a, a Passover. The Passover happened. And, and it was where people had to be quarantined. Um, it was a time of quarantine. It was a time of stillness. It was a time of reflection, which is not a bad thing. The only thing is that we're off our rhythm. We're off our regular rhythm. We like our rhythm. We like our our, our um, uh, routines, our our disciplines that we've been in. And now everything's different, and we we resist change. But this is not a bad thing. Being still, being quarantined, it it's not a bad thing. We're 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 off our regular rhythm, but it's good to just be still sometimes. All right. I believe God wants to talk to us during this season. I believe God's got some things to do and some things to say during this season. So it's not a bad thing to just be still. Just be still. Psalm 46, 10 through 11. Be still and know that I am God. Listen to what he says. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I hear the Lord just yelling that out in the spirit realm. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And then he follows it with this word, Selah. Selah. Psalm 3.8, we see it again. And we see it over, I don't know, probably 75, 100 times in the Bible. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Selah. So what does that word Selah mean? Selah means to pause. See, we're in a pause right now. We're in a pause so God can edit some things. We're in a pause. So I don't know if we're more (coughs) upset about the pandemic or the pause. What is it? What is it that we don't like about being paused? 
So we're on pause, but we're not powerless. Amen. So it's not about the pandemic. It's about the pause. We're on pause right now. It's a selah. It's a selah. Selah means pause. It means suspension in music, in music where you take a pause, you take a rest. It means to weigh it out. Selah. So think about that. Weigh it out. God says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still. Just be still right now. I could just see Moses standing at the edge of the Red Sea with Pharaoh coming down on his back. All the the armies of Pharaoh. But the glory and the power and the presence of God was there with them as they stood against the Red Sea. And, And Moses stepped up and says, Don't worry, he said, but stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he'll do for you today. And he caused a wind to blow and part. He said, stretch out your arm, Moses. So God's going to do what he's going to do in this season with our participation, with our partnership. You got to be a partner during the pause. During the pause. Remember, I'm a partner with God. Things looked bad for Moses, much worse than they look for all of us. But God came down through the pillar of cloud and troubled the Egyptians so that, and took their chariot wheels off so that they pursued him with difficulty. The blood of Christ creates a barrier around us. Amen. So Selah, pause and think calmly. It means to weigh it out, weigh things out, weigh what it means. When God says Selah after scripture, he said, just get still and think about that word. Just chew on it. It means, that's what my first pastor used to say. He said, just chew on that. (laughs) Just, Just chew on that for a minute. Pause and think calmly. So we need to lean into the pause. And don't complain. Don't use this as an opportunity. Remember, we've been conveyed into a kingdom that doesn't respond to complaining. This kingdom responds to faith. You know, the kingdom of darkness works on complaining. But the kingdom that we've been conveyed into, the the kingdom of God's love, of the the, the love of His Son, this kingdom that we've been conveyed into, it does not respond to complaining. So don't complain. But declare, prepare for what you declare and begin to declare what it is you want to see happen. I'm coming out of this better than when I went in. Lord, show me the way. Show me what good thing you're causing to happen for me throughout this situation. Amen. So pause. Let's don't complain. So amid this global storm, there's a divine purpose in this divine pause. We need God to show us what it is. So when we talk about that, the children of Israel being... being um, released from Egypt. You know, we, we got to go back. You know, when I put all this together, y'all, it really just brought it home for me because I don't know about you or y'all, but when I was young, I couldn't wait when they said the 10 commandments was coming on, you know, um, the, the old, the old, old school 10 commandments. Oh my gosh. I, I would get to stay up late because I would literally cry if I couldn't stay up and watch the Ten Commandments. I loved, I loved it. And then if they made me go to bed, my dad made me go to bed one time. So I went in my room and got my Bible out and began to read about it. He said, he came in and he just said, I've never seen anything like you. If you can't watch it, you're going to read it. This is when I was about 16 years old. hadn't even given my heart to Christ yet, but God was calling me. But I loved to watch the Ten Commandments. And then, then, then I'd watch Jesus of Nazareth. When that came on, you know, everybody better be quiet. Because when Jesus of Nazareth came on, that was like a four-part thing, you know. You didn't want to miss any of it. And I didn't have DVR back then, so everybody, you better be quiet because I don't want to miss any of this. 
But see, Jesus is way over here. The Exodus and the Passover is way over here. But I couldn't put it together. I thought, were, were all these people at the same time? How much time? There's like 4,000 years difference between Jesus and the Exodus. And I thought, how does that all fit? How does Jesus have to do with them? What is it? How does it all fit together? And when I put it all together, man, that was when everything exploded for me. When I was like, oh my God, God is so cool. This could never have just happened on accident. This is not a coincidence. God planned all this out. When I came to that realization, man, I'm telling you, I got so excited and so just like the spirit of revelation just hit my spirit. And I I just can't even tell you how excited I was. So, you know, we talk about Abraham all the time. If we back up before the Exodus, I feel like you can't just start with Joseph. You got to go back. You know, we start with the father of faith, Abraham, where God called Abraham out from his own people. He said, come out from among them and be separate. I'm going to make a people of you. I'm going to make your all the and you all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. Your descendants they'll be more in number than the sand. He calls Abraham out. Abraham becomes the, the the father of faith, and he walks that thing out until finally one day he they finally have their baby child Isaac. They're both barren, but they had their child Isaac, and uh, Isaac grows up and becomes a man and marries. And Isaac uh, and Rebecca have twins, and. Those twins are Jacob and Esau. So Jacob is the, is the grandson of, of Abraham. So Jacob has 12 sons. And the 12th son, of course, is Joseph. And we know that, that uh, all of Joseph's brothers were jealous of him. Right. And, and uh, they sold him into slavery. Right. So they hated him just because he was favored. But they sold him into slavery in Egypt. So that's how the people of God got to Egypt. I'm like, oh my God, I had no idea how they got there. Why were they slaves there? What happened? They, they got there because his brothers sold him into slavery. And he, the, the Spirit of God was so much on Joseph's life that everything he touched prospered. Everything he did, he, was, he became a leader in the prison. He became a, a leader in, in Potiphar's house. Everywhere, everywhere he was, he rose to the top as a leader. And so when the, when the Pharaoh had dreams that could not be interpreted because there was going to be a famine in the land... God was warning them so that the Pharaoh could be prepared. And he had set Joseph in the right place place. at the right time. And Pharaoh called for him. He changed his clothes and he went in before Pharaoh. All these troubles and tribulations that he went through prepared him to be the leader that he needed to be, that God wanted him to be. He could have never done it without the troubles and the trials that he went through. God had to perfect him. And those troubles and those trials perfected him. And so when the Pharaoh calls for him, he tells him what his dreams are about seven fat cows, seven skinny cows. They used to... Joseph told him what the dream meant. He said the seven cows are seven good years of plenty. And the seven skinny cows, that's seven years of famine that are coming. Seven years of pandemic are coming. So you've got seven years to get prepared for it. So store up. If you store up a third of every year, then you'll have enough to get people through the through the pandemic. Yeah. Or through the, the epidemic or whatever you want to call it. And so... People's, people were starving everywhere. Sure enough, he, he elevates Joseph to the place of being governor over Egypt. He is, a, he is so revered that, that he, only, only the ring of Pharaoh sets him apart from the power that Joseph has. He really has become like the man in Egypt. And he's favored with Pharaoh. He's favored with the people. All the people were, were, were just so excited about him. They gave him an Egyptian name, Zephaneth Paneah. And so, his brothers, sure enough, they're in the famine time. His brothers start starving. So his brothers come to Egypt 
And they don't recognize him because he's grown up now wearing all the Egyptian makeup and wigs yeah. and stuff. Because I'm sure he was rolling like that. Yeah. Chariots and all that. They, they, they figured, you know, he was down and out and maybe not even alive anymore. But they come and the very person they've got to ask for food from is their brother. They don't recognize him, but he recognized them. And he said, um, you know, come to, before it's all over with, he reveals who he is to them. And he said, look, you guys meant it for harm, but God meant it for good. So that many people would be saved a lot. So Joseph um, calls for, he said, go get my father and and everyone else. Go get everybody. So the people of Israel came and uh, Israel, Jacob's name became Israel. So that's where the nation of Israel got its name, was that God changed Jacob's name, Joseph's father, to Israel. So they came to live, and, and Pharaoh gave them the best land to live there in, in Egypt. They were favored. They were a favored people because they were Joseph's people. They were favored. But as the years went on, there, there arose a Pharaoh who didn't know who Joseph was. Joseph had already died. And I don't know who these people were. these people? Who is Joseph? I don't know who Joseph is. Who is Joseph? And so... Um, that Pharaoh decided, you know, these people are more lively than we are. There's more of them than us. What's to stop them? They're smart. They're, they're strong. What's to stop them from taking over everything? So they began to afflict them and made their bondage bitter. They became slaves. They built their, you know, um, pyramids and sphinxes and all that stuff. They, they, they built all that. Or I'm not sure how much of it they built, but they built cities for Pharaoh. And um, so that's how they became enslaved. But then... God hears their cry. After 400 years of slavery, God hears their cry. So listen, God's not going to let you stay in your trial long enough until he's going to hear your cry and he's going to respond. And he raised up a deliverer right under their noses because during this time it was prophesied that there would be a deliverer come up, you know, be raised up. And so Pharaoh said, not if not in my castle. So he sends and has all the, all the Hebrew children uh, two years and under have, has them killed. As soon as they're born, they're supposed to take them and throw them in, in, in to the crocodiles and kill them. Well, Moses, his mother sets him on the water and he floats down the Nile until he comes to Pharaoh's house and Pharaoh's daughter picks him up and, and names him Moses because Moses means to be drawn out. She had drawn him out of the water. She names him Moses and brings him into Pharaoh's house. The very child Pharaoh wanted to kill grew up right under his nose. Like a grandchild bouncing on his lap. Look at God. There's nothing God. God will infiltrate your enemy's camp in order to bless you. In order for his plan to come to pass. There's nothing God can't do. And so Moses raises up and, and, and becomes a man. And, and he decides when he realizes that he is really a Hebrew, part of these people that are enslaved, he decides to go and live with his people rather than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin in Egypt. So while he's out there, he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew and he rises up and he kills him. And so because it's death to strike an Egyptian, you strike an Egyptian, you die. You, you get executed. So he takes off and runs and leaves because now, now he's got a, he's got a, a a warrant. (laughs) He's got a warrant for his arrest. He's, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's in trouble. So he goes and he, um, dwells in the land of Midian and he, uh, gets a wife there and he becomes a shepherd. And he's out tending flock on the backside of nowhere. And suddenly God appears to him in the burning bush and says, Moses, take off your shoes from off your feet for the place where you stand is holy. He said, I want you to go to Pharaoh and I want you to tell him, "Let thus says the Lord, let my people go. And he said, um, he said, I, 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 
can't even speak. I, I stutter. He said, I'll have your brother Aaron. He'll come and talk for you. He said, what? who shall I say is sent me? He said, I am. Who I, that was my favorite part of the movie too. I am who I am. <laughs> you will tell Pharaoh, I am has sent you to me. Hey, he sent me to you. <laughs> Amen. That was my favorite part of the movie right there when God would talk and the finger of God would come and do something. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you go God. <laughs> but he tells Moses, you know, go. And so Moses gets the courage and he goes, you know, he would have to have done what he did to have a man who would know what it's like to, to go before Pharaoh and not be afraid. Yes. I know this dude. I grew yes. up with this dude. I know that. I know where you sleep. I know where your room is. I know, I know everything about the path. I know which door to go in and I know which door not to go in. Come on. So God knew what he was doing when he sent Moses. Yes. So Moses went and he said, God says the Lord, let my people go. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he wouldn't let the people go. And so for every time he said, no, I won't let the people go. For every time he said, God sent a plague. There was a plague that was sent or allowed. Um, and so of, of all the plagues, I'm going to find out where in the world I am. Yeah. So um, every time there was a plague, there were ten plagues. There was hail mixed with fire. Now you talk about something strange. What in the world is that like? You know, when it's hailing outside, it's usually kind of cold. Or, well, I guess it doesn't have to be cold, but it's like ice, baseballs of ice. But when it lands, it turns to fire. That ain't regular. (laughs) That's some plague stuff right there. Hail and fire. Frogs. So many frogs, there were frogs in their bed, frogs in their ovens, frogs in their kitchen, frogs in your pillowcase, frogs in your, uh, in your clothes, frogs in the baby bed, frogs in your, frogs everywhere. There were frogs everywhere. And so, um, God would cause the, you know, the plague to leave every time the Pharaoh would say, okay, 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 but then, but Pharaoh would always harden his heart. Lice. The Nile turned into blood. Livestock died. Loathsome vermin. That is like little bugs and, Gnats and flies that bite you and just little stuff. Locusts. Locusts that came and destroyed everything. Boils. Boils on their skin. Darkness. And then the final one was the death of the firstborn. And on this final, this final plague, God gave the people of Israel. Oh, and, and see, here's the thing. God always made a difference between the people of Israel and the people of Egypt. When it was darkness, it was darkness for three days, and it was a darkness that could be felt. Come on. It wasn't just dark, like turn the lights off. This was an evil darkness yeah. that over that came over the land. But the Bible says there was light in their land, where, yeah. where, the, where the Israelites were. They had light in their land. So it doesn't matter how dark things get, we still have the light. No matter how dark the world gets, arise and shine, for your light is coming. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Rise up and shine. But this, this final plague was going to be the death of the firstborn. And he said, this is what you got to do. For the firstborn of the entire land is going to die when the death angel comes through. He said, but there's a way that you'll be safe. I'm going to block the death angel if you'll do what I say. If you'll apply the blood. If you'll apply the blood, there's safety behind the door. So this is where God instituted the Passover, Exodus 12, 21 through 23. 
It says uh, you have to kill the Passover lamb. And the place that they would kill the Passover lamb was at the foot of the door, at twilight. At twilight. God's so specific about things. At twilight. Kill the lamb at the door. And there's in the basin. There's a basin that would run across everybody's door. You would kill the lamb there in the basin. And you would take some hyssop and strike the lentil. Dip, dip the hyssop was like, hyssop was like a, a plant, like a bush that you could use like a paintbrush. Put, dip it in the blood and strike the doorpost. Dip it in the blood, strike the doorpost. Let's read it. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that's in the basin, and strike the lintel in the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. Sound like they were quarantined. Yeah. Sound like a pandemic, huh? For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. Did you see that? God will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. So Exodus twelve thirteen it says, and now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. So look at the picture of the door. Can you put the picture of the door up there? She's going to get that up there and put it full screen so everybody on, on the, everyone can see it. Look at the door here as a picture of the door as it's been struck at the top. Now imagine at the bottom there is where they've slain the lamp so there would be blood at the foot of the door. So they take the bunch of hyssop, they strike the top, and they strike the two sides. Tell me, what do you see when you look at that door? You see the cross. You see where Jesus shed his blood for us. Amen. Amen. So everything in the Old Testament, the Old Testament is Christ concealed. The New Testament is Christ revealed. So Christ was concealed in this thing that they did to be protected. God was showing you. He said, I've already decided I'm going to do it. So I'm giving you the permission to draw on the blood of Christ by credit. See, Christ wouldn't shed his blood for another 4,000 years. So he said, I'm going to allow you to have the blood of Christ because it's as good as done because I've spoken it. It shall not return. So he, they drew on it by credit with this type and this symbol of the lamb being slain, the door being struck with the blood. So they received the blood of Christ on credit. We receive it looking the other direction. We didn't see it. But we believe it happened. It's already been put in an account for us. The protecting power of the blood. We look back and we pull it to where we are. Because he already did it. He already put it there for us. There's safety behind the blood, y'all. John 10, 9, Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. So Jesus is letting us know, look, I am the door. I am the lamb. I am the blood. I'm the sacrifice. I'm the protection. I am all that you need. Look at John 129. It says the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. This is. This is 4,000 years later. And look at 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Um, Paul got revelation of this too. He said, Christ, 
our Passover lamb has been sacrificed for us. So what they did all those years ago in Egypt was just a type and shadow of receiving Christ. Come on now. They looked ahead and believed God was good on His Word. We looked behind and we said, God, we believe You did it. They believed that He would do it. We believe that He did do it. But it's all by faith. Amen? It's all by faith. The just shall live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Hallelujah! That's a good place to take a praise break. Woo! Glory to God. Amen! <laughs> and you know, choosing the lamb had specific instructions. You couldn't just go get any old lamb out the flock. It couldn't be the old one that's about to die anyway. Couldn't be the one that was sick or gimpy. God crippled. Couldn't be that one. No, God said go and pick a perfect lamb. Without spot or without blemish. I remember when I first read this and, and, and thought about it and I thought, well, were there enough? Perfect ones to go around. And I went to my first pastor, Brother Don, and I said, Brother Don, how were there enough? He said, because God said so. Yeah. Yeah. I said, yes, sir, that's good enough for me. I folded my Bible and went on back in. <laughs> Amen. So it had specific instructions. Exodus 12, 5 says, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You could even say, how could there be enough males? God made sure. That there would be enough men. So it was a male lamb in the prime of his life. And the first year of a male lamb is in the prime of his life without spot or blemish. Jesus was a male without spot or blemish. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. He was a spotless lamb. Hallelujah. Without blemish, he was, he was in the prime of his life. He was a male and he, and he had no sin. Look at 1 Peter 1, 19 through 20. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God, who chose him as your ransom long before the world began. See, that's why they could be over here looking this direction and saying, yeah, I see it and I receive it. Because God had decided before the foundation of the world. What did it say? Before the world began, before the world began, he had already chosen Jesus as the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. He knew we would fall. He knew mankind would make that, that decision, but he made us anyway. Exodus twelve forty six. Here's specific instructions about the Lamb. Don't break any of its bones. You shall not break any of it. Don't you break any of its bones. The crucifixion. The Roman practice of, of, of crucifixion, in order for the people to die faster, they would break their legs because they would push themselves up so they could breathe. Because crucifixion is a, is a death of, of a suffocation. You can't breathe with your arms up like this for, for, for that long. So they would push themselves up with their legs. So they would come along and break their legs so they couldn't hold themselves up so they would die faster. That's what they did when Jesus died because uh, the, the, there was a thief on his left and a thief on his right. And uh, the, the Passover had begun, and you couldn't have people hanging on a cross for the Passover. It was a high holy day. So they wanted to go and take them down, but they couldn't take them down until they were dead. So they went. the soldiers went, and they broke the legs of the one soldier. They went to the other one and broke his legs. When they got to Jesus, he was already dead, because he had already given up his ghost. He said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And then it says, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Nobody took his life, Come on. but he gave it. Yes. He gave yes. it for you, and he gave it for me. But none of his bones were broken. Thank you, Jesus. 
That's why, because you wonder, why would, why, who cares if they break the lamb's legs? Who cares? It was a type and a shadow. It was a type and a shadow of what they were believing in. They didn't even know. They were believing in Christ. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John 19.33 says, But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. So why are we looking at this? So that we can have faith in the power of the blood. If it reached all the way back there to the people in Egypt, if it reached all the way back there, all the way, then surely it can reach to us. It's already been done. Hallelujah. I want us to have faith in the power of the blood. Revelation 12.11 says that we overcome the devil, the accuser of the brethren, who accuses us day and night before the throne. We overcome him. Look how it says they overcame in Revelation 12.11. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. That's why you better be watching your words right now. The old songwriter said, There's power. Power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. And then the other old song, the blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary. It's the blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never lose its power. Hallelujah. It reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley, the blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. Hallelujah. All right, now, number three. I want to close out with this, how to focus in crisis. Focus in crisis. Number one, you got to focus past the crisis and do amazing things. Decide that I'm going to do. Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He, he, he um, despised the shame. He didn't like it. But he lifted up his eyes and he looked to the joy that was set before him. So we got to look past the pandemic, look past being cooped up, look past all these things that we're focused on right now. And we got to say, God, do something amazing. Do something amazing in this. Yeah. This is the time for you to shine. This is the time for your, for your glory to manifest in the earth. What do you need me to do? <laughs> Focus. Focus past the crisis Amen. and choose to do amazing things. Bring some stuff for the food pantry. Yeah. Lead somebody to Jesus. Put everybody's on social media all day long right now. That's right. Put out a video. To be creative. Come up with something super creative to lead people to Christ. Tell your testimony and your story. Just do like a quick two-minute video of your testimony and your story of how you came to know Christ. Something simple. Do something amazing. Focus past the crisis. Stop focusing on, oh my gosh, what if this happens? You can't change it if it does. Come on, Whatever happens is going to happen. We, we could chart a course towards better and declare that we're going to make it right through this. But during this time, God used me. Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on coronavirus. For you, Because Jesus has already defeated coronavirus, right? For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. See, he, conveyed, he, he delivered us from darkness and conveyed us into this life in Christ, this, this, this kingdom. This kingdom of God, he's conveyed us 
into this place where our life is hidden in Christ and hidden in the power of the blood and hidden in the, in the power of his body of what he's done for us. Our life is hid in Christ. It's a new life. So we look past all the stuff. You know, this pandemic and this isolation, this might just all just be smokescreen. Let me see through the smokescreen. God, where are you? What do you want me to do? Amen. It's time to pray for the harvest. There's a whole lot of people out there that God has their attention. This is a moment where we can really truly be soul winners. We can really truly do something about the harvest. Amen. People out there are, are wondering, what about me? What's going to happen? What if I get the virus? People are terrified. What if I, what if I die? I can see people are imagining themselves <gasps> laying there, not having a ventilator or sharing one with somebody. You don't know how that's going to work. But I'm sure it's not going to work like that. I'm sure it's like a wire or tube. I'm just being silly. But, but anyway, it's time to focus past that. Pray for harvest. There are people who are hurting, people who don't know how to stand in faith and, and have peace through something like this. They need what we have. We got it, y'all. We got what they need. Amen. Luke 21 3 says, but this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. Glory to God. So it was during, listen to this, it was during a storm at night. At night. During a storm, Jesus was was praying. He just had a big ministry deal. He said, I'm going to send the multitudes away and pray. Y'all get in the boat and go to the other side. Get in the boat and go to the other side. So he sent the disciples in a boat to go to the other side while he was going to sail. He sent them, Jesus sent the multitudes away. That probably took some time. And then he went up onto the mountain to pray. And then in the fourth watch of the night, the fourth watch of the night is between 3 and 6 a.m. How many of you know it's dark during that time? Jesus comes walking to them on the water during that time. Jesus comes with, and now they're in a storm. The boat is like, they can't, they can't even steer. It's a terrible situation. It's dark. The, the boat is in a terrible storm, but Jesus comes walking to him on the storm. And here goes Peter. Lord, is that you? If that's you, call me to come to you. He said, come on. It was at night. It was in a storm. But Peter threw his leg over out the side of the boat and stepped out on the water and walked on water. This is a time to do great things, y'all. It's, we're waiting for the perfect opportunity. We get lazy in the perfect opportunity. When everything's going right, we get lazy. But in a situation like this, when there's a story, this is an opportunity to do the amazing. Number two, focus on the fact that God is my healer. He's been a healer. He always was a healer. He, he had him put the snake on the, on the, uh, uh, rod in the wilderness and everybody who looked at the snake on the rod would just get healed. God was a healer even whenever it was something they had done themselves. I don't remember what it was, but there were snakes killing everybody because of something they had done. And so Moses said, he said, put the snake on the rod and lift it up. And they lifted it up and everybody who looks at it will get healed. Amen. It looks like sickness and death dying on a cross for me is what that sounds like to me, doesn't it? Sounds like all the evil stuff of the world. Jesus taking it upon himself and, and being lifted up. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. So God has always been a healer. Exodus fifteen twenty six. For I am the Lord who heals you. Jehovah Rapha. That's where we get the word Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha means he's a healer. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by who? The devil. 
So oppression and sickness comes from the devil. God is a healer. God, for God was with him. So sickness is, it was not part of God's plan for mankind. Genesis 1.31 says, Then God saw that everything he had made, and indeed it was very good. So everything God made was good. Sickness was not part of what God made. He did not make it. So sickness and disease entered with the fall of mankind. We know that. Sickness is the enemy of God. Have you ever thought about that? You know, I've heard about some people who did um, miraculous healing back in the day. <coughs> I forget who it was. Might have been A.A. Allen. He got so mad at sickness on people. He would just get furious at the sickness and, and, and would cast out the sickness with, by being so, so angry about it. Might have been Smith Wigglesworth. I think he's the one who kicked the baby across the stage. I'm not saying anybody should kick a baby across the stage. But when the baby quit rolling and his arms laid out, his one name weren't crooked no more. He wasn't lame. The baby could, the baby was uh, healed. But uh, he would get mad at it because sickness is the enemy of God. Amen. Third John 2, beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Psalm 103, 2 through 4. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquities, all your sins, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life. From destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. So don't forget that healing is one of the benefits that we have in God. Number three, focus on encouraging yourself in the Lord. See, stop waiting for somebody to come along and encourage you. You're going to get so much more encouraged if you will just encourage yourself in the Lord. And that's what David had to do. When, when everybody was ready to stone him, it wasn't his fault. He was out fighting the enemy. While he was out, the in, another enemy came in and stole all their children, all their wives, all their stuff. Came and took everything. And everybody was so grieved. The Bible says they cried until they had no more tears to cry. And the people thought about stoning David. David needed to hear from God. How many of you know that's a crisis? When the people are picking up rocks, looking at you like, oh yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's not a good day. But David, 1 Samuel 30, 16, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And sometimes it's not easy, but that's why you need to encourage yourself. 1 Samuel 30, verse 8. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. You ought to encourage yourself in that word right there and declare, when I come out of this, this COVID-19, yeah. whatever this, this is, I come out of quarantine, I'm coming out recovering all. And not yeah. only that, but I'm coming after more. I declare double for my trouble in yeah. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So you gotta, you gotta encourage yourself. Don't give voice to doom. Don't let the voice of terror be louder than the voice of your faith. Amen. So, that's who we are. We're supposed to recover. We're supposed to overcome. Paul, in Acts 26, 2, was getting up to, to um, defend himself in a court where he could be killed when this is all over with if they don't like what he says. But Paul says, the first thing he says when he gets up in Acts 26, 2, he says, I think myself happy. <laughs> you, you're about to face some tough stuff. Think yourself happy. Don't think yourself into fear. All right, number four, focus on ruling my territory. Focus on ruling your territory. You are called to rule and reign your domain in Jesus' name. So you've been given the goods. You've got the name of Jesus. Apply the blood of Jesus and rule and reign your domain. Do not allow fear to come in and get a grip. If fear tries to come in, confront it. Attack it. 
and tell it to go. Look at Ephesians 4, 26 through 27. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Don't give him a place to rule and reign in your, in your domain, in your home, in your household, in your family. Watch over the ways of your household. Don't, don't, don't uh, allow him to get in. Don't give him a toehold. Don't go to bed angry. Don't allow fear to come in. You know, Job opened the door for satanic attack because he was afraid. Everybody wonders, well, why did Job get attacked by? Why did God allow it? Well, God had no choice. When the devil came asking for him, God had no choice but to, but to allow it because Job opened the door himself yes. through, fear. through fear. So fear is an open door for the devil to come in and wreck your life. So you got to rule and reign your domain in Jesus' name. Rise up. Straighten up your crown. I'm in this kingdom. I've been conveyed into the kingdom of the Son of God. Amen. So it's time to get up and take care of business. TCB. Job 3, 25 through 26 says, for the, This is what Job said. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. Don't be like, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to have to take a pay cut. I'm going to have to try to find another job with the whole rest of the world looking for another job. Don't say that. Don't let that come out of your mouth. Because Job said, the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, for trouble comes. Well, no wonder. First John 4, 18 through 19, it says, there's no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If we'll just go back and think from before the world began, God knew that he was going to send Jesus. That's why he gave him to hit to them on credit, gives him to us because it's already done. And we, through faith, believe it. Amen? Amen. The love of God, that God loved us so much that he gave Jesus to um, to come and to um, to be this to, to come and to be the, the the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. Amen. He loved us. He so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. We love Him because He first loved us. He loved us before the world was ever here. He loved us. He knew us one by one, and He loved us. So don't allow your thoughts to take you into fear and uncertainty and open the door for a demonic attack. Listen to Daniel 11.32. The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. This is a time and a season for great exploits. But listen, this is a time and a season for you to know God. Maybe you've been watching today. Maybe someone invited you to watch. Maybe you just stumbled onto this on Facebook or on YouTube or and, and you're watching and you'd say, Pastor Sally, you know... I know I'm not right with God, but you want to be right with God. I want to give you an opportunity to connect with God, to know that you're forgiven for your sins, to know that you're a child of God, that you're part of the kingdom of God, the family of God, that he'll never leave you, never forsake you. It's good. It's good to know that in a time like this. It's good to know that you're not alone. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. If you read it backwards, it's like you forsake, you leave, never, never will I. (laughs) It reads good backwards too because God means it. He'd never leave you. He'd never forsake you. He'd never lose his grasp on you. Maybe God's been after you. You felt him talking to you. You felt him tugging on your heart. That's a very precious thing when you hear God knocking at the door of your heart. You feel him. 
talking to you. You feel him drawing you. Respond to it today. Let me lead you in a really simple prayer. You know, the truth of the matter is, is that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Not one of us is perfect. We all fall short of his glory. You can't say, well, I'm not that bad of a person. Look at this person. They're much worse than me. Well, God doesn't compare us to one another. He compares us to his own standard of righteousness, and we all fall short. So the Bible also tells us that we're, we're all sinners. We've all sinned. But it also tells us that the wages or the penalty of sin is death. An ever, everlasting separation from God. And that is, that is the, the most terrible thing about hell is that God is not there. That we're separated, knowing that we're separated forever. Nobody, God didn't mean for anyone to live there. But he, he wants us all to be with him forever in eternity. And he made a way through Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's the good news of the gospel. And it is good news. Because whoever you are, God loves you. God has a plan for your life. He's got a call on your life. There's some things he wants you to do. And I don't know about you, but when I found that out, I couldn't wait to get started. For me, it's been 26 years this year since I was 31 years old and I knelt down in my closet and threw my hands in the air and said, I'm through running. But I'm ready to receive you as my Lord and my Savior. When he becomes your Lord, that means he's in charge. I fell in love with the Word of God. I fell in love with the Bible. Reading the Bible, I felt God near to me. And God wants the same thing for you. It's not just for preachers. It's for everybody. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know his voice. He wants to talk to you through the Bible, through his Word. So you can get to know him and know who he is. He he wants you to connect with the church called the body of Christ so that you can be raised up and discipled so that's you today you want to receive Christ you want to connect with God today let me lead you in this really simple prayer if everyone would just even at home if you just bow your heads and close your eyes just everyone bow your heads and close your eyes at this time I'm going to lead you in a really simple prayer if you mean it let me tell you God is listening and he's ready to receive you as his own today you'll be forgiven for all your sins You'll be a child of God. There's nothing like it knowing your slate's been washed clean and you're in right relationship with God. Nothing to keep you separate from Him, but a heart that's full of love for Him, knowing that He loves you, and He does. So let's pray this prayer together. Just say this after me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I have messed up. Sometimes on purpose. And sometimes, I'm sure I just didn't know. But I'm sorry for my sins. I ask you to forgive me. I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross in my place. And I believe that on the third day, you raised him from the dead. And he's alive and well now, sitting by you. So, Father... I ask you to come into my heart, teach me, guide me, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm trusting you alone to save me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer, you got to let somebody know. Nobody gets to sneak into heaven. you got to let somebody know. So if you have not downloaded the Acceleration Church app, Go ahead and download it as soon as you're finished watching. And there's a little um, place on there where you can sign a, uh, a commitment card. Is it called a commitment card? Connection card. 
connection card. Is that what it's called on the app, Kevin? It is called a connection card. Just just um, fill out the connection card. Or, or maybe there's a page on there for salvation. There's a page that says salvation. Salvation. Okay. So I want you to go to the page that says salvation. And I believe there's something for you to fill out. I really hope I'm giving you the right instructions. Um, the salvation, there should be, if you just keep scrolling and find the page that says salvation and fill that out. Also, you can fill out the connection card and send that in. That way I know that you watched. I know that you received Christ. If you include your telephone number, I will call you myself and encourage you and let you know what your next steps are in Christ. I'm always available for you to text or call. If you have a low moment, you need somebody to pray with you, somebody to encourage you, I'm here for you. You can always send me a text and I can um, respond to you and I'll answer calls as I'm available. But um, amen. I'm excited that you made a decision for Jesus today. Now, there's some new steps you need to, to make in your life. You need to join and be connected to a church. If you're in the humble Houston area, we'd love to have you at Acceleration Church. Uh, we're here at 7211 FM 1960. Well, you can find all that out on the app. If you just download the app, you can find out everything. Our service is on 1030 at 1030 a.m. on Sunday mornings. And we'd love to have you come and be a part. So be sure and connect with us. Let us know that you made a decision for Christ. That makes my heart so happy to know that people are receiving Christ as a result of this ministry and all the hard work that we put into it. It's worth it when we know. So let us know that you receive Christ. All right. Well, it is offering time. (laughs) Yes. What? Communion. Okay, yes, we did did forget communion. Okay, let's do that, and then we'll receive the offering. All right. So I trust that you prepared your um, uh, communion elements. If you did not, then you might want to press pause and come back and, and do it again. But you want to re- you want to have um, a, a wafer that can either be a, tor- a piece of a tortilla or a cracker or a little piece of bread. Um, normally you use unleavened bread that's thin. Yeah, <laughs> you could use a cookie, I guess. <laughs> Potato chip. Yeah, but normally it's done with bread of some type. Yes, so bread. Because Jesus used bread at the at the Last Supper when he instituted the Last Supper and instituted the, um, you know, receiving communion. Um, he said, do this as often as you eat or drink. Do this in remembrance of me. And he used bread. He took the bread and he uh, broke it and he gave it to the disciples. And he said, take and eat all of you for this is my body, which is given for you. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. So right now, Jesus, we remember your body that hung on the cross your body that was broken and bruised and and uh, the cat of nine tails that came on your back uh, 39 times the Bible says you didn't even look human we remember your body and, and what that means to us is that by your stripes we're healed by your wounds that cut in blows that cut in we are healed so Father we thank you that you quicken our mortal bodies. Anywhere where sickness would try to reign in our bodies, we, we rebuke it, we bind it, we resist it in Jesus' name. We declare and receive the healing power of the stripes of Jesus right now. And nothing apart from God can attach itself to our body. We, we curse cancer. We bind cancer in the name of Jesus and, and, and cast it away from us. Lord, you've defeated cancer. You already defeated cancer. So, Lord, we call ourselves clear. We call ourselves clean. We call ourselves healed and whole. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. We, re- we remember the body of, of Christ. Jesus, and go ahead and receive the bread. And in like manner, I 
after dinner, he also took the cup. He gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take and drink, all of you, for this is the blood of the new covenant. See, the old covenant was Passover. They would drink the wine, and and if you've ever participated in a Passover Seder service, it's so beautiful, and you see Jesus throughout the entire thing. You see Jesus throughout the whole thing. But that was the cup from before. This is the cup of the new covenant in Jesus' blood that's given for us. He shed his blood once for all. Just like Adam sinned and, and, and sin and sickness came on mankind because one man messed up. One man, Jesus, put it all right by dying on the cross for our sins. So he said, do this in remembrance of me. So right now we hold up the cup, whatever cup you have, hold it up. Lord Jesus, we remember the cup right now. We remember you said, let this cup pass from me. But you said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And you went to that cross, Jesus, and you died there on that cross for our sins. You purchased and redeemed us and bought us back with your own precious blood. So right now we rejoice that we are sons of God. Heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We rejoice that we're part of the family of God. We've been delivered from darkness and conveyed into the kingdom of the Son of God. So, Lord, we thank you that we're part of the kingdom of God. We're children of the Most High God. We thank you, Lord. We're forgiven for every sin, that we're in right relationship with you, that the blood of Jesus protects us. Thank you, Lord, for the protecting power of the blood. We declare that throughout this pandemic that we are safe, that we are protected under Psalm 91. And under the blood of Christ, the protecting power of the blood, thank you, Lord. Your word says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. Thank you, Jesus, for being our our Passover lamb. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe it's um, next Sunday, the 8th, is actually Passover. Is that right? Is it the 8th? Is that next Sunday? The 5th. The 5th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the twelfth is Easter, so I think maybe maybe it is on the eighth. No, it's on a Sabbath. I looked it up last night, but I may have looked up. I may have looked at the wrong calendar. The fifth. Somebody Google that right quick, or just ask Siri. The fifth Palm Sunday is the Palm Sunday is next Sunday. Yes. So I think that's when the Passover starts. When is it? The fifth. The eighth. It is on the eighth. Okay, so it does start on Wednesday. Passover starts on Wednesday. Yay, okay. Awesome. My wheels are turning. My glory. Wheels are turning. (laughs) All right, well now it's officially offering time. (laughs) All right, so this is our time in our service where we give... um, We return our tithes. And let me encourage you, you know, right through this whole situation, don't get in fear and not tithe. Because the tithe belongs to God. The Bible says you want to get it out of your house. You don't cause a curse to come on your life because you keep the tithe that belongs to God. So you want to continue to sow because that releases the supernatural power of God in your life. Amen. You can't hold on to that and think that you're going to still walk in the supernatural because this connects us to the supernatural favor and power of God. He causes men to use their power, ability, and influence to help you. He raises up people to give to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give into your bosom? So you give it this way, but it comes back this way. Amen. It comes back more 
than, uh, than what you gave out. And I just feel like we're in a season of uh, quickly, reaping quickly. I, I really feel like we're in a season where the, what is it, the sower overtakes the reaper, the reaper yeah. overtakes the sower. I really feel like we're in a season where you get it in and it's coming back quick. Why? We ha- it has to. It has to. And I believe we started at the beginning of the year when I began to declare 20, plenty, plenty in 2020 that, that every person would, every member would become a tither in manifestation, yeah. that you began to tithe and to give, and that would be the, the source and the sustaining of your finances throughout this situation. Amen. Amen. So um, you can also sow a specific targeted seed, like the woman, um, the, the widow of Zarephath. Uh, he asked her for a specific seed. He said, you know, don't worry. He said, don't fear. And whenever you get ready to sow during a, a tough time, first thing you're going to feel is fear. If it's not fear, it's not faith. Because, <laughs> you know, sometimes obeying God is scary. It's scary. But... She obeyed. She said, he said, don't be afraid, but make me a small cake. For at first, he didn't ask her for it all. He asked her for a small cake. And he says, thus says the Lord, the bin of flour in the jar will not run out until this thing is over with. Amen. And it didn't. She was sustained. She and her family ate and he ate throughout the whole thing until the whole thing was over. Amen. And I believe that God's going to sustain us right through because we are tithers. We are givers. The tithers blessing is upon us. And, um, we give offerings over and above. The tithers blessing is the windows of heaven open. How many of you rather have the windows of heaven open than your own windows open? Amen. I'm not looking for natural windows. I'm looking for those supernatural windows. Amen. So continue to sow right through this whole season. Murray and I'd be sowing right now too, but they're using our phones to bring it to you today. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm rethinking that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So let's get ready to give. You can put our declaration up. And if you put it on the big screen so that that's what everyone sees, so they can, they can see it clearly, don't put us up there, just that. Got it? All right, here we go. Let's say this all together in Jesus' name. You might, you can stand if you want to or hold your offering up, hold your cell phone up if you're given that way. But here we go. Father, in Jesus' name, today is the dawning of a new day. My season of frustration and lack is over. And I'm walking in a season of love, joy, peace, success, overflow, and prosperity. My love for you, relationship with you, and sensitivity to you is growing closer every day. I declare that favor and wisdom for promotion is mine now. You are opening doors for me that no man can shut. Thank you, Father, for watching over your word to perform it in my life. It's causing my life to prosper. I'm in anticipation of the good things you have prepared for me. I am blessed to be a blessing, so as I increase more and more, Father, open my eyes to see ways that I may bless others. I'll be quick to see the need and respond to your voice. Because you have planted Acceleration Church here, come on, say this, y'all. Humble Texas is experiencing revival. I decree that the Spirit of God is drawing multitudes here from the north, south, east, and west. People are responding to your presence, power, and purpose for their lives. We declare that people of all ages, backgrounds, and ethnicities are being impacted forever. In Jesus' name, come on, shout amen. Hallelujah. Do you want to go grab um, our precious baby? Yeah, Murray's going to go get the puppy so we can show everybody the puppy. I know y'all have seen her picture, but she's so cute.